Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Durhaj. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge of Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, this week, I have a colleague, uh, Jackie Faulkner, and Jackie is the president and co-founder of Strive State, Inc. Hi, Jackie. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks, Roxanne. So uh, Jackie um, and I, were um, we were privileged to sit on a roundtable on inclusivity and diversity uh, that was um, through... Uh, Canada Life, and I'm going to forget um, the mental health services through Canada Life. And that was probably, we're going back about two months ago or so, right, Jackie? Yeah, so, September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, September. So I'm going to just tell you a little bit about Jackie's background, and she brings a, a lot of expertise in, in, in the field of mental health. Uh, uh, her firm is a management consulting company, and it, it has a vision to create a world in which everyone loves Mondays. Wow, I like that. <laughs> Because I know most people are kind of dragging and trying to figure out Mondays. Uh, she's got over 15 years of leadership experience in community and mental uh, health care. And uh, she has a passion for investing in employee mental health and ultimately strategies for businesses to flourish. Uh, she's insightful. Uh, she's a diplomatic leader with expertise in developing organizational culture and performance management. And she's also a skilled facilitator and mediator. So Jackie, is there anything that I missed in the bio that you'd like to kind of share with the listeners? Well, I don't think so. Um, that probably covers all the highlights. Having worked in the field of mental health and community services for a number of years is certainly where I developed my passion for employee mental health, which is really what propelled me towards launching Thrive State uh, to, to focus in and with the goal of helping more businesses improve mental health for their employees. So tell, kind of tell me um, what, did you always want to kind of help people with uh, mental health problems? How did you kind of take this path to kind of end up uh, working with mental health? Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. So no, not always. I think it was sort of a a journey that involved, you know, seeing uh, people close to me, family members, and you know, colleagues, close friends, uh, struggling with mental health issues in their own way. And you know, when you have a personal relationship with somebody that you don't work with, and you see them struggling, and and recognizing uh, how work is impacting them, you know, I had a sort of those feelings of wanting to advocate on their behalf when they're struggling. And then, as an employee, and and manager for a number of years uh, in the mental health sector specifically you know we're always the the conversation is always about the clients and then as i realized working with staff that a lot of staff you know would um, identify as having lived experience with mental health as well so you know really for me it was just you know we have to change the conversation it's not just about clients it's about it is about staff and these staff are 
are they're not my loved ones necessarily but they could be because it this exists in my personal life too so i think it was sort of a culmination of all of that that led me to really want to make a difference and you know so true right like obviously with my uh, background uh, as a psychotherapist you know people come to us because they need assistance Mm -hmm. but we're also using our mental uh, faculties to assist Mm -hmm. so obviously like you know like you said you've lived you've worked with people with actually lived experience which is a fantastic thing um, that they can go out and help and, and kind of assist from uh, that space of having been through something, mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, those types of things. And, you know, I, I often say that, um, you know, we were, when I worked for Metro Toronto Police, for instance, the things that I would see in any given shift, mm-hmm. Jackie, um, still I can remember today, right? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm talking 25 years later. Right. Um, and so, of course, yes, as, as, the, as the employee also, you recognize um, having been frontline and then obviously going on to different uh, management co- um, mm-hmm. situations and consulting situations, we all have mental well-being on our minds, mm-hmm. right? Because gone are the days where we're using our limbs anymore and we're more in a knowledge economy today. Right. And uh, we're, we're needing to kind of make sure that we protect, you know, what, uh, what I often used to uh, describe to my son as the thing attached to your neck is really, mm-hmm. really very important. So let's talk a little bit about um, what you're seeing out there. So let's talk about um, kind of psychological health and um, safety, because I know that's your kind of your, the bucket of the work that you do with companies. Mm-hmm. So what are you seeing out there with companies? Are you finding that uh, people are a lot more knowledgeable or do you think that people are still kind of reacting to crises to implement strategy? Yeah, so I would say for the most part so far, a lot of times when we're getting called in, it is because there's, you know, a very particular situation, not necessarily crisis, but a significant situation that's affecting employees that their the owners or management are recognizing we need some external help here. What we find, though, when we go in is, of course, there is the situation that needs some our help, you know, to help uh, identify, you know, what's going on, how, what's the solution, uh, you know, how did, how did it get to this point? Um, We do, uh, what we often recommend is to do, use the Guarding Minds at Work uh, survey tool to establish a baseline with organizations, because it's really easy when you're in that sort of uh, crisis or problem mode to forget about all the things that you are already also doing well. So we like to also, you know, it's not like businesses are doing everything terribly as it relates to employment or health. They're inevitably doing some of the things really well. So we want to, while we're helping them with the issues, also want to support them in leveraging the things that they're doing well so that it's not just a bad news kind of story. And, and the good news is they're, there often is a lot of things, you know, businesses doing really creative things or uh, very authentic things. I know you're, you know, into that, but, you know, owners, uh, particularly in small businesses who really care and have the type of relationship with employees where, you know, they're helping them uh, in the evenings or weekends with, you know, repairing something at their house or, you know, they really have those relationships that are, are meaningful. And then, um, you know, there's a situation that's happening at work uh, in one particular area where it's an issue. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk. Um, so obviously, guarded minds at work. Many people will not know what that is. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that. Like, I mean, I, obviously, at the time that program I think got started, I was with uh, Mono Chappelle at that time. Oh, okay, yeah, and we participated in the research. Correct, correct. Yeah. So it was started with Great West Life, um, and they did uh, uh, put this together. So share a little bit more about it because if employers are listening or leaders mm-hmm. are listening, I'm going to assume that they're going to go, okay, well, maybe what that's something I should check out because if I can kind of get a baseline, why not be able to, and we'll, it, you know, what we can do is um, have you provide the link so that we can put it in with the podcast. Sure. Also. Yes. I'd love to. Uh, so it's a, actually a free resource that was created. Like you just mentioned, uh, there was uh, many organizations, uh, including Warno Chappelle, Mental Health Commission of Canada, uh, and I'm going to forget all of them, unfortunately, but basically they, uh, you know, did some research and established the national standard for psychological health and safety. Guarding Minds at Work is a tool, there, there's a tool with several resources that uh, are free to any Canadian business and, I don't know, possibly outside of Canada, I'm not sure. And it's a way to, you know, if depending on the size of the organization and how in-depth you want to go, there's different levels of the tool that you can choose. You know, you could do a quick sort of six-question organizational overview, or you can do a more in-depth, I think it's 66 questions. You have all staff uh, complete it, and, and then it provides you a, a score across the 13 psychosocial factors that affect psychological health and safety in the workplace. So things like, you know, clear leadership, things like reward and recognition, uh, the amount of influence uh, employees have on their work, um, work-life balance, you know, there's, all, there's 13 categories. So uh, organizations will be able to see how they score and they'll also be able to see how they score against a standardized national average. So um, I think it's over a thousand other Canadian organizations. So you, they'll be able to see where they're doing well and where they need to pay attention, where they're, you know, maybe there's minimal risk, just need to do some tweaking and maybe areas of serious concern where they really need to um, create a uh, more uh, robust strategy to improve that area. So a great resource to start to kind of mm-hmm. look like it, like you said, sometimes you get called in because there's an issue. Maybe there's more conflicts potentially, or maybe they're having problems with, uh, uh, you know, maybe conflict with managers or arbitrations or whatever, or maybe they're sick, right? The sick play is on the rise or their short-term disability and, you know, it's coming up for renewal and it's going up by that 20% that every, every employer freaks out about. Yes. Yep. So yep. They could be, or potentially a crisis, right? Something's happened. They've never had uh, to deal with it before and they don't mm-hmm. know what to do. Mm-hmm. So when you go in, you might tell them to start with guarding minds, for instance, or, or suggest that then what are the steps that you kind of, obviously you're, you're going in and asking very strategic questions about how the issue is uh, impacting them. Uh, and then what other steps are you taking um, as, as a management consultation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it depends a little bit on the organization structure and size. Uh, certainly we're going to spend time, you know, interviewing senior leaders in the organization, either one-on-one or in a group, depending how many, uh, and then we are also want to spend time with uh, who the leadership identifies as like key employees. So whether it's people who are being really impacted by the issue. So like you said, if it is, you know, a significant conflict that's coming up or if it's a, 
you know, an increase in absenteeism or turnover, you know, we're going to look at um, their HR data, whatever they have collected. So whether it's, you know, exit survey uh, information, what is the sick time uh, usage, their turnover rates, their STD, LTD usage rates. So we, we kind of review their HR data. We'll usually do a focus group with staff um, to kind of validate qualitatively the quantitative aspects of the Guarding Minds survey. And then from there, once we sort of have that story picture of what's really going on, uh, we, we take that information and see, you know, where are the greatest risk areas and the 13 factors that, you know, really need immediate attention and we're going to make recommendations for those and also where the you know low-hanging fruit the things that are the quick wins that can help uh, potentially uh, improve morale in a you know a, a faster sort of way so it really depends on what is the issue certainly we've ended up doing you know mediation uh, sessions between employees or team building facilitation Sometimes it's um, something like um, offering, you know, Myers-Briggs uh, workshop, just helping employees understand their personality differences. And it's not that someone is right or wrong or, you know, better than the other, but just putting a framework around how each person is so that they can leverage the strengths instead of be fo being focused on the differences. And then, you know, often our work is sort of ongoing. So once we've you know, we, we don't just like to go in and write a report and then leave, you know, you know, we had organizations where sometimes uh, if one of the issues is around sort of lack of clarity and expectations, because that inevitably causes interpersonal conflict and stress at work. So, you know, we might be helping organizations uh, to, you know, fine tune or sometimes create for the first time policies and procedures that didn't mm -hmm. exist or job descriptions, or even an organizational structure, because they might not have, uh, certainly in, in smaller businesses where they've grown sort of organically over time, they, they're missing some of those key infrastructure pieces. So they just need someone from the outside to come in and help them kind of map it out uh, in a more clear way that then, you know, helps their employees understand the, the picture of, of the place that they work. So you're already taking uh, an overall pulse then, right? So you're looking at from a, from a strategic perspective, you're looking at the macro mm -hmm. and, and how the issue fits and you're, you're mapping out what the needs are and how, how to address it. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a mediation, I know, I mean, I, you know, I've done over my career a, 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 a lot of mediation mm -hmm. and um, you know, I can think of one particular case and it was a, it was a um, longstanding issue and it was a mental health concern right and uh it, it continued i think for almost 10 years and mm -hmm. and so when i was called in to kind of you know deal with the with the situation um they were you know remiss to believe that there was any possibility that there would be change let's put it that way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but really at the end of the day you know and it, it probably took about about 15 hours um, to be able to mediate it and come to solution. But really, it was someone that obviously was having a mental health concern, had been off on short term, came back, and I would say the return to work strategy was ineffective, and then the con conflict continued to right. So it wasn't perpetuate. Right. 
And then really to get these two uh, people in the room was, you know, they, there was no, they agreed to be in the room, but you could feel the tension, right? Because mm -hmm. they really had gotten to the point where they just didn't like each other. Right. And, you know, by naturally kind of looking at, you know, getting to know them and obviously, you know, you know, as a mediator, you have to really get to know the person and mm -hmm. have them feel comfortable and then to get them both in the same room. And really at the end of the day, it was a, a lot of assumptions that was made. Mm -hmm. um, and this person was struggling with mental health and this, and there was a uh, age category, like mm -hmm. a differential, you know, kind of age and stage. So the one perceived the other is not wanting to work to the potential, but not recognizing that the other person was acting, in fact had an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And really with time, what she, this employee shared openly with time, once she felt comfortable, kind of what her, what she was going through and then the manager was like, I'm so like, she, she was so horrified that she even perceived it as being her not wanting to follow through. Right. So it's that, it's that bridge, right. That's, you know, can end up being such a neutralizing element mm -hmm. where it's two basically good people, but they've had, they've been locked in these positions for so long. And obviously the, the person was about to go off in short term again. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that, Roxanne, because uh, the process that I use, I call, um, it's called transformational team building, and it is meant to happen over two kind of full days. So, you know, it is anywhere from 14 to 16 hours, and it could be two, but it could also be 12 people sort of involved in a team. You know, conflict isn't always just about two people, or, and even when it is, there's the people around them who then are impacted by that conflict. And so you know, if there's um, whatever, usually when, when I do that type of work, what inevitably unfolds is that at some point back in time, assumptions were made mm -hmm. and then they carry forward. So, you know, people, you know, didn't take the time to have, you know, a little bit of an awkward or difficult conversation to check that the assumption, they just continue to uh, see that person through the lens of, you know, they're lazy or, you know, they're not mm -hmm. working up to their potential. So then they, we do that, right? It's just our natural tendency. We seek to reinforce what we already believe. And then it accumulates over time and it just turns into this really muddy, yucky mess. And, you know, when we get people to that point of being able to have those really open, it's vulnerable. It's absolutely can be scary to have that conversation uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, people that usually care about other people, you know, yes. and, and once they realize, Oh, you're, you know, you're actually struggling or, Oh, you didn't mean what you said that way. Um, all of this stuff kind of melts away and they realize, Oh, you know, there are things I could like about you. There, you know, I, you do have some strengths and, and they're able to, to see it from a different perspective. It's a really uh, beautiful thing to watch actually. It is, you know, and, 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 you know, management and, um, did not believe that it was possible. That's the thing because, you know, and I think I like the approach that you, you take to have in isolation. Like, I mean, I didn't, we didn't, we weren't invited in to become strategic. We were just asked mm -hmm. to come in and do the mediation. Mm -hmm. But in retrospect, like to your point, these individuals go back and they have teams or um, let's say it's a leadership team mm -hmm. or a peer team, or maybe they work on different projects together. Mm -hmm. The impact has cross pollinated 
within each pocket that they work in within that environment. Exactly. So, so tell me what kind of training you would do. Like, let's say you're dealing with something like that, the transformational element of the two days, what kind of things would you cover in that? So the, the two days is actually the whole thing is focused on uh, having is creating a safe space to, to, for me to facilitate safe conversations to kind of clear the air. And it just, actually takes that long you know it takes people a bit of time to feel safe initially we kind of spend the first half of the first day just you know creating some boundaries and rules around how we're going to engage in this conversation and then the rest of the first day um because i've uh, before the meeting together i do one-on-one interviews with everybody so i have kind of a sense of what are the issues Mm -hmm. in the room and then they spend the day possibly with some prompting from me, you know, about what's going on. And then I help them just, it's really just having conversations that they haven't had that they've needed to have. And then the benefit of doing it over two days, because what happens is, you know, you only have half a day and there's more that needs to be talked about than you can cover in that afternoon. Um, And people, you know, they go home, they sleep on it, they're stressed, they realize, oh, you know, there is this thing and they kind of come back the next morning ready to, okay, like, you know, we're in it now, I want to get, get it all out. And, and then by the afternoon of the second day, we've usually had some really good breakthroughs where people are realizing th- they start to see the good, they start to have those transformational conversations, they start to come to some agreements around how this is going to look different going forward. And, you know, it, it's an awesome and difficult process so they also say okay we don't want to do this have to get to this point again so what do we need to do to like avoid this going forward and then you know the the last sort of little bit of the afternoon is spent making those agreements sort of um, closing the space how are we going to talk about this when we go back to work because uh, although we try to get most of a team in this in the circle together inevitably like you said people know when there's conflict, it just, it flows out. Other people know. So then how are we going to talk about this when we do go back to work? You know, how do we maintain confidentiality and also communicate to others that we're, we're okay now and we're in a good place and we're working together now. So we, we, you know, help the group sort of formulate that uh, conversation. So it's not, it's not a training that we do. It's more so um, creating safe space and having them practice difficult conversations. Right. And to, and to know that it's not okay to do certain things, right? Because I think sometimes when people get into conflict and let's say you're walking in and you don't like me, Jackie, and you, you know, you kind of think, oh, I don't want to talk to her. So I'll just walk past her. Right. Something as basic as that as a uh, good morning, even though I may have a difference. I think when you get into that transformation, transformative place where you can say, what's basic respect and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, how do people treat each other on this team? And, you know, we could see that there's pockets or their camps. It allows that space. Like you said, I could see, and then, you know, to have everybody discuss it openly and know that yeah. I can say whatever I'm going to say, and it's going to be used constructively. Mm-hmm. I'm right. not going to walk past you again tomorrow and, and, right. you know, kind of divert my eye again. I'm going to think about that to say, wow, right. We thought about that and Jackie said that that was something that concerned her. And we kind of decided that even if it's a nod, it's, it's better than nothing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Recognizing the impact that we have on other people. So that person who's getting walked past, 
would have had the chance to say how that makes them feel. And then, you know, usually when someone realizes, oh, I'm making someone you know, feel terrible about themselves or feel not included or feel, you know, whatever, that doesn't, you know, feel nice. I don't want to make somebody feel like that. And I'm probably doing it for some reason that I'm hurt about, you know, because you didn't, you know, it's, it's kind of this, you know, the playground uh, mentality that just, it's our inner six-year-olds that are showing up at work. I have a colleague that talks about her brand is, uh, her name is Penny Tremblay, and she talks about um, playing nice in the sandbox. That's mm -hmm. her basically all to do with conflict. And it's, it really is, right? We are truly big versions of ourselves, uh, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, you know, when you didn't get picked to place hopscotch or you didn't right. get invited to the birthday party or, you know, all those things. And we bring that part, that emotional part of ourselves to work. We do. Yep. And it Absolutely plays through, do. right? And then, yeah. so I think, you know, that transform transformative conversation um, and it's powerful. I know I've done them, you know, with teams and stuff like that. When people mm -hmm. kind of just can be people, it's pretty powerful, like you right. said. Yeah. I think there's a bit of historical residue around this idea that you're supposed to separate your, your personal self, your emotions mm -hmm. when you show up to work. And I personally, I, I can't subscribe to that belief because I'm a whole person and, and my whole person comes with me wherever I go. And that person consists of emotions and feelings. And so what, what I think is probably missing in our, you know, educational system and even probably at homes is we don't learn from a young age how to have difficult conversations. We don't learn how to uh, have healthy conflict you know conflict in itself isn't a bad thing but people get our, our um, don't deal with it in, in a healthy way because they haven't learned how so you know then it shows up at work because people are trying to be you know quote professional meanwhile they're you know by kind of stifling or suffocating their feelings but that doesn't actually do anybody any good uh, in my opinion and I think most people believe that conflict means that it's, 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 um, it has to be a, be a big row or a quarrel and, and, you know, like raise voices and stuff like that. And you're right. I think we need to start to teach our little ones that you can, you can have disagreements, mm -hmm. but you, you can listen to someone else. They may not agree with you, but that doesn't, and that's, you know, that's conflict resolution being taught right there. Yeah. Um, and to talk. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, to recognize that I'm going to have differences, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that I have to be polarized and then I'm just not going to play with you again, right? Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> because I have to play with you again because I, got, I have to see you at work right. for at eight work. hours, right. <laughs> for 10, <laughs> maybe 10 years, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which it gets difficult. So let's, let's pivot a little bit and talk a little bit more about mental health in the workplace and, mm -hmm. and kind of um, what we're seeing. Obviously, we're seeing... Um, such a rise with, you know, with, you know, anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. um, lots of things like that. What, what kind of things are you seeing um, more of? Is there age bands um, or different sectors that you're seeing more of an issue with, or is it that you're, we're seeing it across the board? Uh, I don't think I could say, certainly not like with, from a data perspective, I wouldn't uh, say it's, higher in any one place than the other. I think overall, what we're seeing is people reporting an increased sense of stress, kind of overall stress. And, you know, I think that is, 
if you know that's a ubiquitous issue you know culturally it's in our you know we're it's just kind of this fast pace go 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 focus on productivity um and so i think that, yeah stress everyone it seems like everyone we talk to wherever we're going um whether it's in our kind of work capacity or not it's you know people are busy and or stressed that's you know how are you doing i'm busy or i'm stressed it's this yeah. kind of the response and so i think you know the the depression anxiety we know are the most common mood disorders one in five i think it might even be closer to one in four now that that is we know that that's impacting people statistically so we know that that's showing up at work um and i think what employers don't realize is that they have a duty now the the law is shifting in such a way uh that duties uh, that employers have the duty to cause no additional harm so if someone is experiencing you know it's almost like employers need to operate from the assumption that you know one in four to five of my employees have depression and or anxiety i need to make sure that when they're coming to work i'm not adding i'm not compounding those issues um by having you know unrealistic demands or uh tolerating incivility or um you know turning a a blind eye to you know bullying or harassment any of those things um because that's going to it's that's hard for anybody it's that's difficult for five and five people but for the person who's also struggling with depression and anxiety it's it you know you're you're compounding now um i don't know if i answered your question actually <laughs> Yeah, but it makes sense because we have a duty um, to keep our, our workplaces psychologically safe. Mm -hmm. So there is now implications for companies that are not, um, you know, addressing things like uh, harassment. Well, harassment is a given, yeah. but like, you know, in, you know, whether it's bullying or, um, mm -hmm. you know, not if there's constant conflict you need to you need to get into it and to understand is it just a communication problem or mm -hmm. is there really something else going on so now mm -hmm. under um you know psychological health and safety we need to make our environment safe for our employees to be able to go to work mm -hmm. and know that we're not in any way being implicit in and not recognizing that we're not addressing concerns right yes and you know i think so going back to your question around is it is it more in one age or category or sector than another no i think probably the content of what's causing stress might differ by age you know the um the people who are on the later years of their career are are you have the stress of that you know preparing for retirement that life change stress trying to figure out what's the legacy that they want to leave it at work so you know that they have that stress and are often at more senior level positions at the end of their career so that comes with increased stress and responsibility um folks in the sort of middle uh age uh and period in their career are um often also dealing with um that if that sandwich effect so the you know outside of work there they have you know aging parents and probably um or possibly children at home so they're sort of caretaking and and working when they're not at work and then they're coming to work trying to um you know work on work towards their career so you know they're just kind of stressed in a in terms of being 
overextended in their multiple roles in their life. And then even the folks entering the workforce for the first time, you know, they have stress around, you know, could be student loans, it could be uh, being living out on their own for the first time entering the workforce, you know, that, that's stressful, Try, trying to just kind of navigate how do I, um, what do I need to do? How does this work? It's a whole new world. So the what is causing the stress might be different by age, but I think it, it is happening to everybody. Of course. And like you said, having to, um, you know, most people aren't unplugging anymore. And gee, that, you know, now we have to talk about the, the digital elements of things and the, you know, mm-hmm. gone are the days where people go home and they disconnect. Now mm-hmm. a lot more people are working virtually. So mm-hmm. there's implications for that. So you, I, I, I will say it's like you're putting them in the tumble cycle with not being disconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, what we know with the brain is the brain needs, the brain needs, you know, quiet just to be able to, just like we need to sleep. Um, to be able to to perform our days, our, our brains also need that. Mm-hmm. And with mm-hmm. situational anxiety, and the, most of it is, is situational, mm-hmm. right? Not per se biological uh, anxiety and depression. But if it doesn't get addressed, then it kind of, you know, gets stuck in the body where you're needing mm-hmm. to then kind of, I, I say you need to give it a bit of a boost, right? And then we're getting into things like medication and time off, those types of things. So mm-hmm. it, it does become a perpetuating cycle. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely something that uh, we have to keep our, uh, our eyes on because it's going to be on the increase and there, we have to start to talk about strategy um, from a different perspective mm-hmm. with um, okay, we're not, we're not unplugging. How are we going to ensure that people are doing it? Mm-hmm. How are we going to ensure that we're going to make it so that people feel comfortable enough to take their lunches, you know, to take their breaks, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and strategy that you said, like a, from an HR perspective around things like wellness, mm-hmm. health and wellness, what kind of services do you offer those mm-hmm. types of things? It's that's even more, when I started in the field of VAP back in 1984, it was kind of nice to have that kind of tagline but now it's kind of a given uh, with mm-hmm. most companies that they have, um, you know, uh, psychological services that, that, you know, people could access 24 seven kind mm-hmm. of that's confidential. Right. Yeah. So this has been very, very informative. Um, is there anything specific that you want to kind of share with the listeners before um, I let you go? Uh, I think just, you, I mean, you mentioned our vision at the beginning, you know, we, we started this business because we want to be part of, you know, uh, creating a world where Monday is the best day of the week, you know, uh, and I think that it's possible. And I think it's, it can seem uh, overwhelming for people when they're in the muck. Uh, and it, I think it actually isn't as, um, it doesn't have to cost extra to take care of people well. Um, to, to create supportive working environments. You know, it, it, it's really just, you know, some tweaking policies and procedures or, um, you know, re, reassigning workloads. You know, diff- there's different things that can be done. Um, it doesn't have to be expensive. And uh, so I just, I guess I just want to reiterate that I think it's possible and um, that the Deloitte uh, research that came out at the beginning of November uh, that shows it, it was a Canadian study showing that when you invest in employee mental health, the return on investment is about $1.63 for every dollar spent. Uh, I think it's the best investment you can make. Um, you know, people are your most 
they're, they're your highest cost item. Uh, so I think it's, they're worth the investment. Awesome. And if you could send us that uh, link to that article too, sure. that would be great. We would include it. Okay. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks and, for having uh, me. You know, so I guess what I'm taking away, and we know this anyway, is that um, prevention costs less than to sicken an employee. Mm-hmm. And if you look at short-term claims and you think about what the average short-term claim is, let's say it's two, three months, and you look at your hourly rate and you think about what it takes to replace that employee, Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you were to use the dollar sixty, like the Deloitte uh, study, to really kind of implement strategy, it may seem like you're paying for certain things up front, but really you're inoculating your environment mm-hmm. against things that need to get done anyway, because you're going to pay on the back end. And if mm-hmm. you know, it's it's expensive. Short term is expensive, but what's even more expensive is if people get into long term, which mm-hmm. we know that with increase in, in uh, anxiety and depression if it doesn't get addressed in the, same, in the proper way, um, what's going to happen is unfortunately those employees are going to get um, sicker and sicker and then it's going to be harder. And those are the hard, hard costs that um, you know, employers struggle with today. Mm-hmm. So for everyone listening, thank you so much uh, for listening in. Um, if you're needing any information on me, it's Roxanne Durhage. I'm a mental health and wellness specialist. I speak on authenticity in leadership in the workplace. So thanks again, Jackie, and have a great day. Thanks, Roxanne. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.